Welcome once again to Devotional. This is lesson number four for Tuesday, December 18th. I'm glad that um, I'm doing this in Puerto Rico. There's this little, I don't know, tropical romance with the cookies in the background. I guess it's to remind me of the first uh, couple of years that I would come here with my wife and we would stay up till night, late into the night talking and we were accompanied by these little frogs and if you haven't heard the previous podcast, I just want to let you know what those noises are. It's those little coquis, these tiny little frogs that are uber loud, um, and they're all over the place. So hopefully they won't be too distracting as you're uh, listening to this podcast. Uh, we're on Tuesday, December 18th, and the title of the, 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 the this lesson is Preserving Church Unity. And if my nursing background ever came uh, out... It has come out this week in a big way. Uh, I don't know why, but I keep thinking of medical things uh, to help illustrate. And the lessons are rich that are coming out. Um, This lesson, um, you know, we have a a, a reaction. Uh, I know that I do because of how I used to hear the, the old school defense of our teachings. We want our church to have pure doctrines, pure uh, teachings, right? And we do. But the emphasis was done in a very angry, uh, combative format. And so the stigma was that if you're you're for pro-purity of teachings, you're going to get an angry sermon today. You know, someone's going to get rebuked and don't sit too close to the preacher because the spittle might might sprinkle on you as he's, you know, being vociferous. And I've been there and I've had to ask God to forgive me for misrepresenting him and though my motives were in the right place, the method was wrong. Just like we talked earlier in this week, right? Teaching as Christ uh, would teach. And actually, we haven't touched on that. That's going to be on Thursday. Uh, I definitely wasn't preaching the way Jesus would have preached. And he certainly rebuked and corrected. But as we read in the book of Steps to Christ, tears were in his voice. And that is something that I'm still asking the Lord, teach me to sincer- with sincerity to speak like that. Um, but... We still have to deal with this issue, and the church dealt with this issue uh, on the onset. You know, keeping the teachings that Jesus entrusted the, the apostles, keeping those teachings pure, unaffected by outside influences. In the early church, Gnosticism um, was was the enemy that from Greek philosophy that was trying to infiltrate and mix itself with Christian teaching. And the apostles were like, no, 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 no. That's not accurate. No, 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 no. That's not what Jesus taught. At least not what he taught us. So um, this idea of the church needing to maintain its health, integrity, its purity within of beliefs, I've compared it to the immune system. Um, The pastor, the Sabbath school teachers, for sure. The individuals that uh, have responsibilities as far as making sure the church is being taught correctly. And I don't think our institution kind of has maybe fragmented these things, but for me, a deacon, a deaconess should be individuals that can, in season and out of season, uh, teach the word, be ready to defend the faith in a very um, biblical manner. It doesn't have to be, you know, Greek and Hebrew, but certainly biblical as in whatever language you, you speak to be able to navigate the scriptures comfortably. Stephen was a deacon and he gave a sermon that occupies almost an entire chapter in the book of Acts. That for me is inspirational. It's not for me to feel bad as an elder or a deacon or as a pastor. 
I'm still learning. I'm still in one of the areas that I'm still forcing myself to uh, go to is the minor prophets. You know, that's still for me a part of the Bible that I've read through many times, but I'm still trying to process it. So I'm letting you know, I'm being transparent with you. I won't have dominated the entire scriptures, but I want to. Um, and so as a, as a deacon, as a deaconess, um, as a Sabbath school teacher, I'm inviting you as a pastor, join me. Get to know the scriptures better because our bodies, um, we think of cancer uh, as something that we have to go and get treatments for when it manifests our, itself in our bodies. But check out any medical literature that is worth its salt and you will know, you will learn that we are actually combating cancer on an everyday basis or things that can lead our bodies to have cancers get to a point where our immune system can no longer handle it. Our immune system is continually addressing cancer. Um, our, our immune system is composed of various cells that function and have different uh, uh, jobs within the body. And part of our immune system are these uh, cells that navigate, continually are navigating our, our body, checking for intruders. You know, our cells, every single one of our cells, just like um, we're going to be ready, ready to go to El Salvador next March, right? And every person going, every U.S. citizen needs to take a passport. That's the identification that lets us know we are Americans. And when we enter the country, that, that lets us, the government officials know we, we can go in. No problem. But if um, in the body, a foreign element comes in, these cells pick it up. They recognize that the DNA of whatever has just entered has nothing to do with our body. And so it will tag it. And once it's been tagged, other part, other cells of the immune system will attach to it. Some will try to disable it. Some will eat it and dissolve it. And boom, that, that's it. You know, with bacteria or a virus gets into your system, they will fight that. But it's not just pathogens from the outside that attack the body. Sometimes because of exposure to environment, sometimes because of lifestyle like smoking or drinking, um, eating certain things or eating certain things in certain ways, um, stress and other factors, they can affect how our cells replicate. And sometimes, you know, exposure to radiation, exposure to high voltage, uh, those kind of things can affect our DNA expression at the cell cellular level. And if perchance one of the cells had a, a DNA, its DNA affected, by radiation or some other chemical or by one other factor, um, that cell will replicate itself with that same wrong code, so to speak, with the DNA uh, slightly changed. And one of the things that happens within the body is, uh, we'll talk about this more in detail later on this week, but your, your body knows that it needs to replace itself. You know, we have new skin, new skeleton, and so with, with uh, a renewal of the organs, within the DNA is this space. The the, the, this portion of the liver only, can only grow so much. And so the cells only replicate to keep the, the liver within that size. The same thing with the, the lungs, the same thing with muscle tissue, brain tissue, etc. 
when we get um, like a, a cancer of the skin, the cells are replicating and they're replicating wrong. The cell is no longer able to function properly. And it's not just that it's not able to function properly, but it's replicating at an advanced speed and it's not respecting the size. It's actually encroaching itself into or other parts of the body, into other organs. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that can jeopardize function of the other, other organs or cause tissue death in other organs. And so a cancer is simply your own body uh, with wrong DNA being replicated over and over and over and over again. Our bodies are continually fighting those cells. Because remember I told you that the, immu the immune system will pick up cells that have a different DNA code. Once that DNA code has been changed, the body recognizes that and we kill those cells. Now, by no means am I even hinting at the idea that if someone walked into your church, I'm thinking about these uh, beautiful brethren called the shepherd's rods. God bless them. They've come into our church with tracks that are way out there that we should somehow do violence to them. I'm not even hinting or intimating at that. What we need to destroy is wrong teaching. And it's not as easy as you think it is. Nothing false is 100% false. In fact, the most difficult false things to undo are those that have a lot of truth in them. That's why the immune system is so crucial within a church. That's why a Sabbath school teacher that doesn't just te prepare when it's their turn to teach. I mean, you, you should always be prepared. That's what Paul says. Be ready in season and out of season. An elder, a deacon, um, a greeter. Every part of the body should have the best possible understanding of the DNA code of a Christian. And that comes from the scriptures through the Holy Spirit. So we should daily be examining what we believe because what if I believe something that is skewed? What if I buy into something that is off? I have friends, friends that I've gone to mission college with, friends that I admire a lot and that have blessed me. And I still consider them to be my friends, but my heart aches as to how slowly and gradually they've adopted views of the Godhead, uh, views of church institution, the, the church that have led them a in a very different direction. Um, by no means am I in hinting that they may be lost. That's between them and the Lord. And like we said right off the bat this, this, uh, in the Sabbath school quarterly, actually the quarterly said it, no one gets saved by belonging to the Seventh-day Adventist church. So I'm not even hinting in that direction. But what I am hinting is that errors damage the body. And just like the immune system tags things that don't fit in the body, don't belong in the body, Elders, deacons, deaconesses, Sabbath school teachers, we should feel comfortable in saying uh, with respect, with Christ-like love. Um, that is something we need to look at. And I need for you to show in the scriptures where that is. And listen to the person. Uh, I, I give a form for the person to express themselves. Pray, pray, because like I said, you know, ultimately it's not my mental um, stamina. It's not my... Uh, intellectual abilities that will undo error is the Holy Spirit that guides us into truth. And what we want is for if, if this brother or this sister is teaching something that is unbiblical, for they themselves to come and, and recognize that their position is not 
biblically sound and being invited to change their position to a biblically grounded position. That is the role of primarily elders, pastors, deacons, and deaconesses. But within that, you know, there are jobs, there are different responsibilities. I do believe that elders are individuals that are, are, I'm glad I'm thinking about this. I don't want to say have prepared themselves. I I think that the, the healthiest way of saying is are preparing themselves and will continue to prepare themselves. Elders, I mean, I'm thinking of one elder, I'm not going to say his name, but he has invested in Bible software that uh, mostly just you see pastors using and he hasn't just bought the basic package he's invested quite heavily in in maps and commentaries and all these other resources because he understands we are being uh, called by God to function in, in a similar way as the immune system not finding errors for the sake of finding errors or picking a fight or or pointing people wrong but finding errors and identifying it as such and in the love of Christ in inviting people to say that will harm the body because it's not part of the body. It doesn't have the DNA of Jesus. If you read the letters of John right before the book of Revelation, you see that he's addressing Gnostic teaching. If anyone says that Christ did not come in the flesh, he has not been inspired. He's not being guided by the Spirit of God. Don't give credibility to those teachings and statements they are not. They are antichrist. They are opposed to Christ. We have to feel comfortable and confident, not in ourselves, but in what has already been happening, a continual meditating upon the Word of God, a continual preparation. That's what Paul tells Timothy, right? In that sense, the verse that I keep alluding to when he says, be ready in season and out of season. Uh, he he pre- prefaces that by preach the Word the Bible. I am not the genetic code. I am not the theological police. The scriptures are the revealed genetic code that reveal DNA of God through Jesus Christ. And I need to understand that because that is the the life source of the church. The church will continue to replicate itself, right? Look at history. The church will continue to replicate itself in the following members, that following generation. And look at what happened to the church so quickly in the first, third, or fourth, fifth century. How much theological corruption and error crept so quickly into the church when the immune system was compromised. When the leaders themselves had itching ears and began to um, heap up for themselves individuals that taught things that sounded good to them. Sound doctrine may not be popular. Sound doctrine may not win too many friends. But sound doctrines keep the body healthy. That's what that word sound actually means. It has nothing to do with audition or sound or phonetics. Sound doctrines is healthy doctrines. Doctrines that keep the body of Christ healthy. So again, these lessons uh, are overlapping with each other with the importance of leaders, ministry leaders, all ministry leaders, not just aiming to be 24-7 leaders, leaders that are continually thinking about how to improve the church through their ministry, through their participation, but leaders that are investing themselves in understanding God through Christ 
better. We have to be leaders that are comfortable not bringing our own ideas, but saying in scripture, it says this, it is written. That's what Paul told Timothy to do. And I'm going to read just quickly this last sentence in closing. Harsh and severe rebukes rarely bring a sinner to Christ. Harsh and severe. By following what Paul wrote and following it under the guidance of the Holy Spirit and with a servant leader attitude, Timothy would be a powerful unifying force in the church. I want to be that. I want to be a powerfully unifying force in my churches. And I'm praying that these lessons would inspire and convict you to also pursue that, to take ownership of your ministry, not because you sense that it's in the higher parts of the hierarchy or lower parts of the hierarchy, but rather make yourself a vital organ because you're choosing to be a 24-7 leader. May you and I decide and choose to be the kind of leaders that carry the church in our hearts and we're continually asking the Lord to make us the kind of servants that will be a blessing for the church to keep the church healthy so that it can continue to grow and expand with pure doctrines, with as pure of a doctrine as we possibly can, constantly reviewing ourselves, constantly distrusting ourselves and trusting that the Holy Spirit will guide us and unify us as we seek Him humbly with a servant-like attitude. Amen.